And we're back here, Stripe Show podcast. Hope you're having a great week. It's U.S. Open week, one of my favorites. And uh, we're going to go back to the traditional U.S. Open style. It appears as we uh, take it back to Wingfoot, one of the great golf courses in the United States, up there in the, the New York City area, area uh, the uh, Westchester County, terrific area for great golf. Wingfoot, just one of many. And uh, to join me here today on the Stripe Show podcast, a former player on the PGA Tour, 13 years, and now making it big in the media business. Colt Nose, how you doing, Colt? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. And I'm a big fan. I listen to you and uh, your partner, Drew Stoltz. You guys uh, have a show there, Sirius XM Radio. Gravy and the Sleeve. You guys have a good time with that show, don't you? Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's um, It's been a blast. We just try to to make everyone's ride home or ride to work or whatever you're wherever you're going. Very entertaining. We just try to mix it up a little bit with some great guests, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys do a good job with that. You guys got the subpar podcast as well that you do uh, in conjunction with uh, golf.com, all kinds of great content there. And I encourage my listeners to go check you out. And uh, yeah, I love your guys' twist, man. You guys keep it light. You have good guests. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I like where the game is going, Colt. I got to tell you, um, you know, this has been a difficult stretch, obviously, this pandemic here with COVID-19. Um, but if there is kind of a silver lining, um, golf has done okay. You know, the PGA Tour has led the way in professional sports out there. You hear a lot of good feedback coming from vendors and club sales. I know the golf courses that I'm at, people are playing the game. Uh, golf has... I don't know, benefited, I guess, to some degree. And I, I like the mojo. I like the energy. I like what you guys are doing. The game feels like it's moving in the right direction. What do you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think golf is booming right now, obviously, in a, in a very tough situation. But, you know, it's they were one of the first sports to come back. And I thought Commissioner Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour has done an unbelievable job, and they don't get near enough credit. I mean, to have all these events go so smoothly with very little – positive test has been amazing and then when you just look at golf as a whole like you said um you know vendors are raving about their sales golf courses are busier than ever i mean it's just nice to be able to get outside and get some exercises exercise done in this in these difficult times and um obviously i want things to get back to normal but uh but yeah. i love i love what's going on with golf that's for sure and like you said with me and drew we just i mean life's hard right now for everyone mm-hmm. and, and we're just here to try to provide some entertainment and um make some people laugh every once in a while. Yeah, it's good. I, you guys do a good job. And, um, you know, you played 13 years, Colt, on the PGA Tour, 199 events. Just couldn't squeeze one more out. Your last <laughs> one there at the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, this year, 2020. Can you imagine playing the Waste Management Phoenix Open, rolling into 16 with no fans? It's crazy. I uh, I live here now. And, you know, we've had the tournament chairman on our, our radio show this year, Scott Jenkins, and they had to they had to make a quick decision um, because, you know, it takes so long to build up those infrastructures. They basically start in the middle of this month in September, and they basically decided that it's not going to be quite what we're used to seeing um, mm-hmm. next, next February, which is so disappointing, not only because of how awesome the tournament is and how entertaining it is, but how much money it brings to charity in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. But uh, it's going to be different. You know, it's like it kind of like if you watch the old films when Tiger made his hole in one, it was just people st- sitting on the hills going nuts. Now it's an actual stadium with suites and everything. It's seriously one of the coolest, coolest atmospheres in the game of golf. 
It is. I, I lived in Scottsdale 1999, a long time ago. Um, and I've watched the tournament many times. And we used to sit up on the hill there behind the green right-hand side. Now it's all enclosed. But you sit on the hill there. You could watch shots coming in 16 and then turn around and watch what really, which is a terrific shot on 17. Um, I was actually standing by the green on 17 when Andrew McGee aced it. Oh, um, wow. Hit, yeah, hit his drive down there and it ricocheted. I can't remember who the guy was or was it McGee? It was, he was part of it but I was standing there on the ropes down there by the pond when it happened and everybody was looking around at each other going, what the hell just happened there? You know? And then finally we figured it out and it was an ace. Yeah, um, it, was, he, it was Andrew McGee. You're correct about that. I can't remember yeah. whose putter it bounced off of, but um, Andrew's a member at Whisper Rock where I play out here in Scottsdale. We joke with him about it from time to time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was bizarre. Like, because everybody, he flinched and it hit the putter and then all of a sudden this ball disappears and was that, that guy's ball or was it Andrew's? Like no one knew. And, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it was a hole in one, but 17 is a great hole. Um, 18, obviously a good finishing hole. I love 15 reachable par. Oh yeah. Five. I have no idea Colt, how Tony Finau didn't win that tournament. I know Webb birdie two of the last three, but my goodness, Finau had it, didn't he? 2020 yeah. this year. That was a tough one. Um, we had his coach Boyd summer Hayes on the next day and that one, that one stung. There's yeah. no doubt. I mean, obviously a lot's been made about Tony and, not being able to get, I mean, he, he's got the win in Puerto Rico, but it wasn't a full field, regular PGA tour event. And it's just crazy for a guy like that. That just shows you how hard it is to win on the mm-hmm. PGA tour. Like a guy like that has one win and it's an opposite field event. Um, but yeah, that one's probably one he looks back and he's like, man, I didn't get beat there. I let, I let that one get away. Jim Herman has three wins. Tony Fino has one. Crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. That's what it's, I, uh, Someone said, uh, I think they said, you know, Jim Herman has as many wins as Patrick Cantley and Tony Finau combined. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Crazy game. It is a crazy game. You know, I was reading an article um, that was uh, that was written, and you were, you were being interviewed. And one of the, the statements that you made was when you retired, you had a wrist injury, right? Yeah. And when you finally walked away from the game, one of the things you said is guys hit it so far and I don't. Cole, you're a world-class player. I mean, you played professional golf for 13 years. I mean, how, how much further do guys like a Finau, um, I don't know, DJ, Rom, there's two of the hottest players. How much, how much longer are those guys say than you? Uh, I would say on average, I mean, if I hit a, if I hit a good one, in the, I mean, it's 40 yards, 40 to 50, give it, okay. which, I mean, I don't think it seems like that much, but at the end of the day, when you, when you take 40 yards, so say they're 140, I'm 180. I'm hitting a six iron from 180. They're probably hitting a gap wedge from 140. When you're looking at five, six clubs, because they also hit their irons further than I do. So that's where it got a little tough. I mean, I, I drive the ball as straight as anybody on the planet. But nowadays, the way the PJ Tour is, driving the ball in the fairway just doesn't mean that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I get it. Like, every sport evolves. Things have changed, um, not, not just in golf, but in every sport. And I get that. And listen, I, I know – Hitting the ball 275, 280, and dinking it down there and making putts doesn't sell tickets. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they want to see these guys smash it and make a ton of birdies, and and I get it. And, you know, um, I would obviously love to still be playing, but I'm having such a blast doing what I'm doing now. What other advantages are there? I mean, like, if okay, let's just say it's 30 yards, right? I mean, 30 yards is a huge number that you would be giving up on every hole. And just trying to give the listener some perspective here, like, okay, 30 yards. All right, so he's hitting, DJ's hitting nine and you're hitting six, right? Now, you can, as a professional golfer and a, and a world-class player, you're, you're going to survive to some degree. You're going to be 
hitting your mid irons extremely well one week, Mm -hmm. but to be giving that up on a consistent basis is very difficult to overcome. But then the power and the speed game comes in where else is it, you know, out of the rough, right? These guys are able to get out of the rough better. Give me, Mm -hmm. give, give the listeners some, some more examples of where this, this speed just is just too much to overcome week in and week out. Yeah. I think you'll see it a lot this week at the U S open. I mean, speed out of the rough is such a big deal. I mean, you know, for, for me, a guy that swings at 105 miles an hour with a driver, which is basically like probably a lot of your listeners, to be honest. I mean, I don't swing it that fast. Um, you get it in the rough. It's just tough when the rough is penalizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you look at par fives, like, you know, I would rather a par five be 650 than 550 because I know then that mostly everyone's laying up and it's a wedge contest. Whereas 550, I mean, I got to just absolutely smash two to get it somewhere up around the green where these all guys are. 550 they're like okay i'm gonna hit you know driver and a long iron most likely into this thing and they're i mean i got it's a lot harder for me to to make birdies on par fives compared to these guys when they're chipping on every hole or even putting i'll give you a great example i played with dustin johnson at the open championship uh in a wednesday practice round at royal troon and the first three holes there are down off winds down off the right they're 380 to 400 yards and there's a burn that goes across like 285 every time and we're, me and him were playing a little match, and I'm hitting five wood off every tee just to stay short of the burn and lay up, and this dude drives it on the first three greens. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't beat that. I mean, this guy has an eagle putt, the first three holes, and I'm hitting a pitching wedge to 12 feet, and I have a putt to tie every time. Like, it's just – it's uh, it's crazy how the game changed. But, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, I've, I've known Dustin for a long time, and I've played hundreds of rounds of golfs with him. And, and, like, I knew back when we were 21 years old, I'm like, when this kid figures everything out and he learns how to hit his wedges mm-hmm. and stuff – he's going to be a world-class player and going to be extremely hard to beat. And that's what he's shown lately. I mean, it's not just him. I mean, what Bryson's done is tough. And everybody's like, oh, why don't you just get in the gym and, you know, try to hit it further? I'm like, do you understand how hard it is to pick up 10, 15, 20? I mean, 20 yards, as you know, is a huge. Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, it's tough. And, it, and I mean, like you said, it, it wears on you when you every single time you look you, you're looking at your ball and then you look up there and you're like, oh, my God, I'm hitting a yeah. hybrid in back here. This guy's hitting a nine iron in. But it is fun at the same time when I hit my hybrid in front, inside their nine iron and I get to give it to them a little bit. I always enjoy that part. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to sit here and talk about it, but then it's another thing to go out there and like, this is your living, right? Like you you have to overcome this. Um, this is your job. And man, I, I will mean, say like, I don't, I never, I never mind playing long golf courses. I, I like, I played great at Torrey Pines mm. because the rough was up. Like I would love Wingfoot this week. Like arguably the best club in my bag is, is my hi- hybrid. It's a four hybrid that I carry that's in between three and four. And then I hit 205, 210. And on the PGA tour, I just, I wear that club out because every hole is 480. And so it leaves me that number. And I love that. And when you have to hit it in the fairway, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like now places like Beth page where there's forced carries of 275 everywhere. Those were my nightmare. Like, I basically should have just sat home every time we went to Beth Page. It wasn't even worth my time going. But but places like Torrey Pines, where every hole you know is pretty straight mm-hmm. and the rough's very penalizing. And if you've got one thirty out of the rough or two hundred out of the rough, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to really struggle. And so I loved playing places like that. You know, I remember years ago I used I worked with Fred Funk for a long time, and you know Fred wasn't very long, but very straight like you. And you know, two eighty five now probably ten years ago was like two seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one time he, uh, he won the champions tour event. It's like 2013 won the insperity. And then they asked him to play in the corn Ferry tour event at TPC Valley course the next week because he lives here. So he did. 
and I caddied for him. And this is when Luke List was coming up. And we played with Luke List. And Luke only hit his driver, I think, on two holes. And on one hole, he hit it 90 yards past Fred. That's it. A Walmart in between those two balls. I mean, yeah. goodness and gracious. Effort. And with Luke, it's just effortless power. It's, it is. That's what pisses me off more than anything. It doesn't even look like he's swinging hard. He's not like Bryson falling over out there and feet spinning out. He's like in perfect balance, and he carries it 320. He is. It's, it's yeah, it's really smooth. Uh, it's a smooth 350 mm-hmm. when he was busting it out there. So, you know, now, this is a good segue to Wingfoot as you were. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. Talking about these courses with some rough. I mean, this rough looks extremely uh, penalizing. I, I kind of like what the PGA did to some degree where it was, you know, it was a little inconsistent, but they were kind of enticing the, the player to try to play a shot, right, from from the rough if they drew a decent light. This is rough where if you're in the rough, you're hacking it out, right? That's from what everything I've heard and talking to players. Yes, it's hack out. Like there's no you're getting lucky and getting a good lie. Okay. Like at the PGA, I was disappointed. I was I was on site at the PGA and I walked with guys Monday and Tuesday in the rough. The rough was brutal. It wasn't as long as Wingfoot, but it was brutal. And then for some reason they decided Wednesday afternoon to top it off and chop it down a little bit. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons we saw scores get to double digits under par. I don't expect that here this week. I mean, you know, I don't, I always hate when they try to make it a little like gimmicky and like somewhat try to embarrass the players. Like they have it like Shinnecock. And I hate when the USGA has to go into the TV booth and say, this is why this is happening right Right. now. Talking about the golf course. Like, dude, let's just let the golf course play, make it hard. It's once a year. Like I'm perfectly fine at five over par wins. I think that's great to play. You actually have to watch these guys hit quality shots and they struggle and it's it's fun for me to watch it. It's fun for me to play in. Like it's not going to be a shootout when you hit when you hit a three hundred yard drive in the middle of the fairway. You should be able to go at a pin. Now when you hit it three hundred off twenty yards offline and you're in the rough, yeah, you should you should struggle a little bit. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that this week. And I, I, I'm this is the most excited I've been for a major championship in quite a long time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm really excited to watch this. I mean, Wingfoot is beautiful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. It's just a cool place. I mean, I've been there. I haven't played it, but it's just a cool place and it's in spectacular condition. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I'm just kind of getting some goosebumps right now thinking about seriously, like I'm that excited about what's what we're about ready to watch here and that, and there's just so many sports right now, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just a blast right now. I need eight TVs in my living room. right? Yeah. I've got three. I spaced out Sunday. I mean, my wife was like, are you ever going to get up? And I was like, I'm not sure. I might. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you I don't know, blame you. Wingfoot, uh, 2006 was the last time we saw it, U.S. Open. Um, the cut line was plus nine. 
Yeah. The cut was plus nine. Last week, it was minus five at the Safeway. Okay. So that's kind of gives you some context. We're going to plus nine cut. That's what it was in 06. Who knows if that's what it's going to be. Jeff Ogilvy won it. Um, he was plus five, I believe, mm-hmm. um, when he won it. So that's kind of what we're up against here uh, at Wingfoot. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of bogeys, right? Where, you know, I would think as a short hitter to level the playing field, if I'm a Webb Simpson, if I'm a Brendan Todd, I want the rough to be so long where they have to hack it out. Like they can't advance it to the green. They don't have that option. Mm-hmm. They, they have to hack it out. That would level the playing field, right? From a distance standpoint, because Webb and Brendan are going to hit more fairways than, you know, from a statistical standpoint, then probably DJ and Rom, although those guys clearly can get it going and, you know, pop 10, 11 fairways too. So um, when you, I know you talked with Jeff, right? You're, you're friends with Jeff Ogilvy and you actually talked with him here recently. When you talked to him, what, what was your takeaway as he, as he talked about Wingfoot and when he won there and just the demands of the golf course and what these guys are up against? Yeah, so we had him on our SiriusXM show, and I mean, he's just a joy to talk to. He's a he's such a student of the game. He's so knowledgeable. But he was just talking about going into that week. Like, I mean, everyone knew it was going to be so hard. He's like, he goes, seriously, you step, you, you get to the golf course, and you really look at the golf course, and there's probably three to four good birdie chances. That's it at 18. Wow. He's like, so I mean, he talked about his round on Sunday. Now, now, now this year they made. Number five was a par five in 06. Now it's a par four. And then a, number nine was a was a par four in 06. And now it's a par five this year. So let's flip-flop those. And basically he said, you know, the first three holes are absolutely brutal. I mean, they're, they're three of the four hardest holes on the golf course right mm-hmm. out of the gate. And then you get to like, you get to five and six in 06. And those were some birdie chances. You knew you had to take advantage of those. You had a short par five and a short par four. And if you didn't take advantage of those, you knew you were going to struggle. And I, he, he talked about on Sunday how he got – he was two under par through six holes in the final round, basically made up – he was leading by two shots through seven holes. And then it's just like, okay, these last, you know, 11 holes, it's just full hang on. Like, how can I make a par? You know, there's the one par five on the back nine, number 12, where you might have a legit opportunity. But every other hole, it's just – there's no let up. Yeah. And, I mean, if you remember on 17, he tried to chip the ball out pretty much sideways, and he couldn't even get it to the fairway the line yeah. was so bad. And that's, that's the hole he ended up chipping in for – for par on, but it was, uh, you know, he's just, he's, he, he liked it, but at the same time, he's like, it's just such a stressful week. Like, I mean, you, I don't think you're ever going to be more exhausted after a championship <laughs> than this. When, when you seriously play every single hole that punches you in the mouth from the first hole to the 18th. And, um, you know, I think a shot that doesn't get talked about enough uh, that he talked a lot about on our show was the chip shot on 18. You know, he hit the, he, he said it great. He, uh, he drove it right down the middle. He said he hit the best drive of his week on 18, the 72nd hole, middle of the fairway and you know he gets up to his ball and he's in the middle of a sandfield divot and i was like what were you thinking when you saw that and you know he was immediately he's like f me are you kidding me like i literally just hit the greatest drive of my life and definitely of the week and i hit it right in the middle of this divot and then the iron shot just came up short and spun down but the shot that doesn't get talked about enough was the chip shot on 18 yeah he was like you have no idea how difficult that was like the grass was so tight he was like it was basically like hitting off your local country club's green Mm. up onto a little tabletop and trying to trying to judge it judge it perfectly and he's like it, he's as he quoted he said it came off 
Um, like, you know, you're hitting, trying to hit those miracle chip shots around your chipping green at home, just messing around and you hit like one out of five and you hit that one. You're like, Oh man, there, there it is. He goes, I did that on the wow. 72nd hole of the U S open. He goes, it came off so perfect. He goes, if I would have missed it at all, it wouldn't have, sp- it wouldn't have checked it on. It would have been 30 feet and he, it went down to six feet and then he made the putt for par, which ended up being the, the winning putt for the U S open. Yeah, that's just it. Like we know tour players are great, but I don't think most know really how great, you know, like that's an example that, you know, Ogilvy shot because we can't really, on TV, you can't really see the lie, you know, and and, and, and the lie, as you know, is going to dictate the kind of shot you're going to hit and just how difficult that shot can become, right? Depending upon um, the severity of the lie. Yeah, I remember that shot. Um, Well, yeah, and the situation. I mean, just- the 72nd hole of a major championship of a golf tournament you've dreamed about winning your whole life. And with thousands and thousands of people around, you're like, okay, I got to hit this little, you know, perfect nip spin chip uh, to try to win the U S open. Like (laughs) it's so easy just to lay that, lay the sod over it right in front of you or, you know, catch a little thin to the back of the green. And then Lord knows what would have happened. But I mean, it's just, I don't think people understand like I always, people always joke with me. They're like, I don't understand why all you tour players freak out about 17 at Sawgrass. I was like, put 20,000 people around the place on a Sunday afternoon when you're, you know, in contention. And you, you know, if you soup it, you lose a quarter million dollars. Like it's a little, little different. Yeah. And there's no place to miss it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there, I mean, it's either on the green or it's not. I mean, it's, uh, and the green's not, I mean, it's decent it's size. It's easy on Tuesday. Yeah. 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 The situation just makes it even that much more difficult. I, you know, we're not going to have fans. I get that, but I don't know. I I feel like the USGA lost its identity there for a little bit. And I feel like this year going back to Wingfoot and just everything that I'm hearing, like we're kind of going back to this traditional U S open the way that I remember the U S open when I was younger, which I loved, you know, when I was growing up, Colt, I'm 43 now, but when I was growing up, I would rank the majors as U.S. Open number one, mm-hmm. Masters number two, Open Championship number three. Just because I probably didn't really understand the history yet of the Open. And then PGA number four. That's the way that I would have probably put it in my head when I was young and loving the game. This year feels like, it almost feels like a, kind of it's going to remind me of my childhood. We're going back to this traditional U.S. Open style. NBC has it. I can't wait to hear the horns, you know, mm-hmm. coming in. It's like, yeah, this is, this, this is going to feel right. Am I, am I, no, you're, does that make sense? I agree. Wingfoot. I mean, when you think of Wingfoot, you think U.S. Open, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, it's yeah. the old school, traditional, just hard, harder than hell. But, um, you know, you, we've, we've had the experience with Aaron Hills and Chambers Bay. No offense to those. That's just not, that's not my favorite. That's not my no. thing I like to watch. I like to watch this. Even Oak, Oakmont's a little gimmicky, but it's still really good and really hard. Pebble Beach is obviously awesome. Last year they had perfect weather, which was made it play a lot easier. But I'm with you. I mean, I guess the only reason I think all the fans love Augusta so much is just because you can remember every hole. Yeah. Like, I mean, the average golf fan, you could talk about the back nine of Augusta and they can rattle off most of the holes. Yeah. Now, Wingfoot's obviously an incredible golf course, one of the best in the world. But if I asked you what number 13 was, probably the average guy would be like, I have, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But right. it's still, and, and the one thing that I, I mean, I'm obviously very excited to watch it, but the no fans thing, just especially being in New York, because there's nothing like playing in front of the, the New Yorkers. Like they're so loud. They're so crazy and fun. Um, and like the way they rally behind Phil, like I, I said to Jeff uh, Ogilvy, I was like, how cool would it be if like Phil could somehow play himself into the mix? 
this weekend. Like, can you imagine if there was crowds, you know, 40,000 people rooting for Phil? It'd be the coolest scene ever. Um, it's always so much fun playing up there in New York. Yeah, it, that's the only thing it's missing. But I, I think to your point with Augusta, like uh, the Masters, nobody's established their identity and and has marketed that more perfectly than them. Um, and you know what? They have an identity. They, I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's the Masters. And I think the U.S. Open lost it there for a while through some of the courses you mentioned. And I think hopefully they're going back to reestablishing the identity, which is the most difficult test in golf. And it's going to be that way for four straight days for buckle up. So, so I'm excited in, you know, DJ's coming in number one player, John Rom, number two, clearly the two best players uh, in the world. Let me ask you this Colt, you know, I've had a number of analysts on here over the last three to four weeks. I've made the statement that I think Brooks motivated DJ a little bit with his slight. I haven't found, I've only found one person that agrees with me that DJ was slightly taken back. I understand DJ's laid back. I get it, but I also understand he's a human. Mm -hmm. And I felt Brooks threw some shade on him. I felt it was inappropriate. I felt it was a little disrespectful to DJ. And I think DJ took extent to it. I don't think he would ever tell anybody that, but I mean, is it a coincidence this dude has just been tearing people apart since that moment? No, not at all. And, you know, I'm with you. It was a little disrespectful, um, the comments he made at Harding Park. Like, even Rory McIlroy, who's the classiest guy in the sport, he's like, I just don't understand what he was trying to do with that. Like, that's just not something you say right. to a guy that's won, you know, at that time he had won 21 times on the PGA Tour and he's won a major. Um, yeah, I get it. You've won more majors than him. But I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, be that, be that guy, be the um, kind of pot stir, um, be the, be the villain as a, as a lot of people say. Um, but it definitely did something to Dustin. Um, you know, I mean, everybody talks about how he didn't close the PGA out. I'm like, he shot 68 with the lead in the final round of a major. He just got beat. Like Colin Morikawa played the round of his life and shot 64. That's right. Um, there's nothing you can do, but I mean, he easily could have won the last four tournaments he teed it up in and they were all massive tournaments. So uh, it's definitely, um, Lit a fire under Dustin, I would say. How much does that happen? You don't have to mention any names, but how much does like little slights like that happen player to player in the locker room behind the scenes? Not a ton. There's just there's trash talking on Tuesday and stuff like that. And when you're out with your buddies having a drink Sunday after a tournament, but like there's nothing malicious in this game. I think yeah. I wish there was more of it. I wish there was mm -hmm. more trash talking. Like if I'm if I'm the USGA and with this whole Bryson and Brooks thing going on or and Dustin now, like if Brooks would have been playing this week. I would have put all three of them together. I think it would have been awesome. Like <laughs> yeah. that makes this first off at the end of the day, this is an entertain. This is entertainment. This yeah. is a T this is a TV show that everybody's tuning in to watch. Like, so let's make it entertaining. Um, yeah, it's, there's definitely a lot of trash talking, but most of it's just amongst friends and it's nothing personal. Yeah. I mean, like I, I've said it many times in the podcast, look like just for me, like Brooks is not my cup of tea that I would probably mm -hmm. run with. He's um, but I like him in golf. Like I, you know, like I, I like his, the way that he's going about things. I mean, he makes it interesting. Um, so, you know, there's a place for that, as you put it, kind of this villain role or Patrick Reed and, and the things that um, has transpired with him. And you don't have to agree with everything, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it's good for the game. Um, if everybody was walking around like DJ, no disrespect to DJ, it would yeah. be, you wouldn't have anything to talk about. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And I, and I hope Brooks gets back soon and, and gets back out there and playing at a high level. 
And I hope Rory kind of gets it going here now that the baby's here. Um, you know, so a lot of storylines happening out there around the game as we come into this. And I mentioned DJ, I mentioned Rom. If you look at your short list of winners, I would imagine it's those two. Is there anybody else? Give me your thoughts on, um, you know, who's going to be holding the trophy at the end. Well, a guy that I just, I think a superstar, he already is a superstar, but he's definitely going to do much bigger things in this game. And I couldn't believe it when I looked at his U.S. Open record. Um, the last three years, he's finished sixth, fifth, and third. Um, so he's he's only played three U.S. Opens in his career, and that's Xander Schauffele. Like, mm-hmm. I just think the kid has every single tool you need to win big-time golf tournaments. And he's he's been up there. I mean, I, I think in his 12 majors he's played, he has six top tens. Um, he just – he's always a factor. I mean, you look what he did at Eastlake trying to chase down Dustin to win the FedEx Cup. Like, I just love this kid. And I, I have a great story. We had Charlie Hoffman on our Golf Subpar podcast. And Charlie Charlie kind of took Xander under his, wing, under his wing when he first came on tour. They play a lot of golf at home in San Diego together. And uh, we were, I was asking him, I'm like, who are some of these young kids coming up that you think are going to be, you know, the big names in the game and all this and win made multiple majors? And he's like, Xander Schauffele is one of the best players on the planet. He's like, I literally, we used to, we played together three or four times a week when we we're home. I'd give him an envelope of cash every at the end of the week every time he goes i could not beat the kid i told him i go i'm done playing against you he goes i'll take you as my partner but i'm not playing against you anymore he goes it's not it's just not a fair fight and here's charlie yeah. hoffman a multiple winner on the pga tour and a great player but i just this kid nothing seems to bother him and he he has no weaknesses right and i look for him i i'm a he's my pick out of the favorites to to get the job done this week damn it colt that was my pick too <laughs> well great minds think alike <laughs> Yeah, well, here you go. Here's his no weakness. Strokes gain off the tee, eighth. Approach, 37th. Around the green, 37th. Putting, 33rd. Total, third. That that checks the box if you're going to win I mean, the U.S. Open. That's a U.S. Open. That's what you want right there. Mm-hmm. It is and what I you want. I think this week, like, off the tee is so big. Like, he, people don't think he hits that far. He has, like, 178 mile an hour ball speed. Like, the guy can move it. And he hits it pretty straight for how far he hits it. So, that's why I just really think um, he's going to do something special this week. Yeah, I was looking, I play a lot of DraftKings. I do a show for them and, you know, you start filling out these, these lineups, right? And you have to manage your salary cap. You can't just take all the top dogs. And it's interesting, like if you're going to take DJ and Rom, then you're going to have to fill in underneath, right? A lot. You can't take mm-hmm. any of these guys in the middle. Now, if you bypass that and then you start with, you know, maybe a Xander or a Webb and then, okay, now you can kind of take a few more. Um, in the middle of the pack per se, like a Hideki, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Xander too, and he'll lead a couple of my lineups. Uh, I think I've always been a Xander fan. Webb is interesting to me, you know, this week, um, his driver's gotten better. Webb can't win this tournament without a good driving week, right? Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Now, Rom, DJ, I mean, they can't be all over the map, but they can miss more fairways than a Webb, than a uh, Brendan Todd. I mean, Webb and Brendan, I don't want to say they have to be perfect, but they got to damn near be perfect off the tee. They have to be extremely, extremely good. <laughs> You're right. I mean, obviously, Rom, DJ, those guys can get away with a little more, but I just think this place, it's going to test your patience because you're going you're gonna to hit it in the rough and you're going to be like, I think I, can, I think I can do something with this. And then that's when you compound a mistake with another mistake. And that's where the big numbers come into play. A cool story about 2006 was Jeff Ogilvy, I believe, was the only player in the field to not make a double bogey. Wow. The whole week. 
And I think that's what you really got to pay attention to this week. When you, when you hit it in the, in the long stuff, you got to take your medicine. And as Jeff said, you at least got to leave it in the proper spot. He goes, because you can miss these greens in certain spots where it's not, I can't make par. It's, or how do I, it's not, how do I make par? It's how do I make bogey? How do I just not make double from here? Because you're, you're that jammed up. So that's going to be some, someone who really manages their game, I think uh, is going to, and that's what Xander does so well. That's why I like him. I'll tell you another guy I like that's a little further down the radar. Um, he finally showed some form in the last few months. And in my opinion, he's the best putter inside of 10 feet. He's the best around the greens, and that's Jason Day. Okay. Um, I just really think, and he's, he's a, when, when scores are around par, that's where I think Jason Day really, really shines. And um, I wouldn't be surprised. As, as somewhat of a mini dark horse for him to come up yeah. and do something this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, Jason Day, you know, it's interesting. Like you, he had a nice run there um, mm-hmm. in the summer and uh, he's worked with Colin Swatton for years. And it was, it was strange. Like they, they split and then Day went on this tear. His approach game got really good. Um, it's flipped off a little bit, but it's interesting. You make up a good point with Day, like, plays tough courses well, the mindset. I mean, that's a real thing. Like I think of Hideki, I play Hideki a lot on tough Mm -hmm. courses, like the BMW, he finished third. He's won at Memorial. Um, I mean, I, I call me crazy. Like you, you all throw a dark horse at you a little bit. You, you like day I'll throw Hideki in there um, as a guy that just, you know, it's, he's such a great ball striker. It's Um, interesting. Like Hideki, I have like sometimes I watch Hideki play and it's like I don't even like it's like wait he just shot sixty seven like mm-hmm. it didn't look like sixty seven but he shot hit sixty seven he hits he is a good ball striker but he'll hit some foul balls too oh yeah and, and the putter can get a little iffy with him the putter can like. get very iffy he just it's it's all it's I don't want to say it's clunky it looks it's not it's not like you said Luke List is smooth mm-hmm. Freddie Couples was smooth Rory's smooth it's like yeah. Hideki just looks a little clunkier, right? And it's like, but yet this guy is a world-class player. Every time I pick him, I just kind of close my eyes now and just kind of wait until the end. I kind of like Hideki this week. I think Hideki, honestly, if I had to pick, he's on the short list for me around the green. That guy is so freaking good around the greens. It's silly. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. He's a world-class player. He hadn't won in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a major. If yeah. you want to get real dark horse on him, okay. like the real definition of a dark horse. Let's go. My my guy, he's around sixty six to one to win this week, and um, that's Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yes. If you if you look at the three hardest tournaments on the PGA Tour this year were the BMW at Olympia Fields, Memorial at Muirfield Village, and Bay Hill. He top ten in all of them, and at Bay Hill and Memorial on Sunday, which were the two hardest rounds statistically on the PGA Tour this year, there mm-hmm. was two scores under seventy. Matthew Fitzpatrick shot them both. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I yeah, just he, I love that about pick. A putter. I mean, you get, you're going to have so many, you know, six to 10 foot par putts because with, with missing greens and stuff around here. And he's as good as they come around there. You know, he got matched up with Tiger, um, I think, at the Northern Trust the first mm-hmm. two days. Yeah. It's either the Northern Trust or the BMW. I can't remember. And he shot like a hundred the first day. Like I think he was. I think he was really nervous. You it know? was the Northern Trust. He did. He struggled. You're right. He shot like six eight over. And yeah. he shot six under or something. And then he shot. And then he whatever he was over the first day is what he shot under the yeah. next. And it was six or seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Matthew Fitzpatrick too. He he's got an interesting game. You know, he's like he's he hits a lot of fairways. Right, strokes hanging off mm-hmm. the tee. He's good. 
and he's a great putter and like everything else in between is kind of, you know, like it's not like, yeah. so it's like, okay, this dude's going to hit a lot of fairways and he's a great putter. I kind of yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a USGA champion. He won the US amateur. So his game yeah. sets up well for these type of courses. Yeah. All right. Let me give you a couple head to heads here. Do some rapid fire here. I'll give you a couple names. Pick one. Maybe give me a little reason. First off, I, I, I feel bad for Scheffler. Like he was like, why uh, not? Right. Dude, Jeez. you're telling me. I mean, he was uh, made, he's made for break. this place. Oh, hundred percent. All right. Patrick Reed versus Adam Scott. Patrick Reed. Um, yeah. just a, just a bulldog. The putter just scares me with Adam Scott. Like I said, I mean, if you hit 60% of your greens this week, that's going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jeff Ogilvy missed 30 greens when he, he won. Um, you're going to miss a lot of greens and the putter just doesn't do it for me for Adam Scott. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great ball striker, but even him, if he hits 60% of his fairways, that's a great driving week. So Patrick Reed's just that bulldog. He's as, he's as good as they come around the greens as well. Yeah. And he's been, he's been there T32 last year, fourth the year before. T13 the year before that. I mean, he's, he's hanging around and he had a sneaky good season last year. He finished top 10 or he was top 10 in the FedEx going into East. Like, I'm not sure what he finished, but I mean, he was up there. He had a lot of really high finishes. He just Mm -hmm. never really crossed the finish line that much. Patrick Cantlay versus Daniel Berger. Man, that's a tough one. (laughs) I love Patrick Cantlay's game. (laughs) Daniel Berger has been on an absolute roll. And listen, I don't, I don't leave Vegas on a heater. So I'm uh, I'm sticking with the hot hand and Daniel Berger. Yeah, it feels like the next step for him, doesn't it? Totally. The the only thing that scares me a little bit, and I know you're you know way more about the golf swing than I do. I like his golf swing, but he just comes in a little shallower than a lot of people, and out of the rough, I think that could be a little tough. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, his boy, his statistics are so good. Speaking yeah, of, he no can strike his golf ball. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Wolf versus Victor Hoblin. Ah, uh, that's yeah, that's another good one. Um. I'm going to go Matthew Wolf just because Victor Hovland is so open about how bad of a chipper he is. <laughs> um, he just basically says he sucks at chipping. He said it after he won Puerto Rico. Um, but, man, there's he's one of the top five iron players on the PJ Tour, in my opinion. Um, but I just think – I think this place sets up pretty good for Matthew Wolf. Ches Reavy versus Kevin Strillman. I mean, talk about two guys that play, like, the exact same game. Um, <laughs> both got both third finished, last week at same Yeah, point. they both finished third last week. <laughs> And I play both with them. I play a ton of with them, both at Whisperock. Um, mm. I'm going with my guy, Chess. We're partners in a football pool, so I got okay. to go with Chess. I okay. can't go against him. Third last year at the U.S. Open. That's a good That's yep. a good bet. And they showed him one time on TV, I think. <laughs> Strillman. I, I like watching Strillman play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, he's just sneaky, man. Oh, yeah. He just gets – he's a guy that – I mean, he'll go out there and, he, you know, he's been probably on tour for 12 years or whatever, and you don't see him a ton. He's won two or three times, but – you know, you'll look up and you'll, he finishes 45th on the FedEx for the year. Yeah. Here, makes, here, a, makes 2 million bucks and you never even hear from him. Let me run this stat line by you and then we'll pick, and then we'll decide who it is. Stroke scan off the tee, 86. Stroke scan approach, 76. Stroke scan around the green, 76. Stroke scan putting, 39. Stroke scan total, 38. So, you know, you he's. You guess who that is between those. Oh, that's, that's Strillman. That's Lanto Griffin. Oh, that's Lanto Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, another guy that's sneaky. I mean, <laughs> one one in Houston, which was, I mean, no offense to the Houston, it was one of the worst fields in PGA Tour history. Right. But hey, someone someone's got to win the thing. But you know, he played great at the PGA there for a while too. So he's uh he's really coming into his own. So many people, man. It's just there's so many good players in there. It's it's amazing. You start looking I, at this. Lanto loves Poet too. Um, you know, just looking at 
filling out your brackets. I mean, he was 18th tour championship. He was 10th at the BMW. Yeah. 19th at the PGA, you know, so. And he can walk into a bar and no one would know who the hell he is. No one would know who that, he has. (laughs) He lives right down. He's like, he lives right up the road from me here in, in, uh, in Ponte Vedra, Jack's Beach Jerry. It's like, it's absolutely crazy. All right. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun week. I could do this all day with you throwing names around. I mean, oh yeah, how about Louis Ustase? And all he does is finish in the top 25 every year um, at the U.S. Yeah, Open. Incredible. I, I feel mean, like when he, he wants to, when he wants to be there, uh, he gets engaged and does incredible things. Yeah. And, and my boy Sunjai mm. has finally recaptured his game. No one was affected more from COVID-19 than Rory and Sunjai. That is my partner's favorite player, Sungjae. He picked him every single week Love him. at the start of the year, just wore him out, and then he finally had to abandon him there <laughs> for a little bit. He, you're like, right, though. No one was affected more than him. No. I mean, he couldn't find it when he came back. Like, what the hell happened to him? Dude, I don't know. He got rusty. Yeah, man, it was so bad he took a week off, Colt. Yeah. And he That's and Sungjae. things are bad. Sungjae don't take a week off. No. He don't take a day off. <laughs> I was like, I had to come off and people were like making fun of me. I was like, I finally came off of him um, because he was him and Terrell Hatton are like my two guys that just, just, you know, this right there, right there. Right. Yeah. DraftKings kind of undervalues him a little bit. It's of just, course. It, they're just, yep. There they are. Boom. T15. There I he like is. That. Terrell Hatton. Don't, yeah. don't, don't sleep on him. I think he's ready to win a major here soon. Like he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a got- great putter. He's got uh, he's got the game. He's great at everything. And he's also very great at uh, insulting himself, which I really am a big fan of. We, we need more people like up. that. We need yes, more people like that. It's great. You can you don't don't be mean to anybody else. Just be mean to yourself yeah, and make it funny. He is funny. When I worked at Golf Channel, I interviewed him one time, and he was he was hilarious. I mean, I, I was oh, like, yeah. man, I had no idea this was when he was playing in Europe a lot. And now he's in the states more, but um, yeah, he he's got no weaknesses. All right, last last bit, and I'll let you go. I know you're busy. Little rapid fire here. You ready? These are just like mm-hmm. random, stupid questions. Okay. Um, your go-to Starbucks order? Uh, Americano, just black. Your favorite Orange. golf course? Uh, Friar's Head. Friar's Head. Mm, love it. I should say Shadow Creek. Shadow Creek's my favorite to spend every day at. Shadow Creek in Vegas. Yeah, nothing better. And there's a tournament coming up there. I know. I'm so jealous. I'm not on tour anymore. All right. <laughs> just because of that week. The weirdest thing in your golf bag? Uh, I don't know if it's weird. Probably a bottle opener. <laughs> Do you like to listen to music when you play? Hundred percent. Do you love it? Yeah. What uh, what's what's on the playlist? Give us a little. I'm a I'm a Texas boy. I love country music. Okay. Okay. So it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Listen to music. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Music, cocktails, gambling. It's heaven. Yeah. Best piece of advice you've received, or one of them? Um. Man, that's that's tough. I think I mean Randy Smith, my longtime golf coach, was okay. always big on just play Colt golf. Be be Colt. Don't be anybody else. You know, I mean, I show emotion, I have fun, and don't try to do anything else. I mean, like you see all these guys hit it so far and all this. So I was like, that's not that's not what got me to the PGA Tour. That's that's not what won me the US Amateur. So just be me. It's such good advice, right? You know, young mm-hmm. professionals like play your game. Don't try to don't chase it, right? Well, I think you see so many guys come off the Corn Ferry Tour or come out of college and they're they're dominant players and they're so good. And then they get to the PJ Tour and they think they have to like overhaul their game. Mm. And I'm like, dude, it's still 18 holes. It's still just a normal golf course. Like your game's got you here. It can keep you here. When's the last time you ever played with Tiger? I never did. Never got paired with him. He's about the only guy I never got paired with. When was the last time you wanted to punch Drew Stoltz in the face? This morning on Sirius <laughs> XM. 
when when he read the wrong read that we get paid for. An easy one. <laughs> Colt, I can't thank you enough, man. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, check out Colt, his partner that he wants to punch in the face, Drew Stoltz. They have a subpar podcast. You can see on golf.com. You can also get it. Where, where else can they find out? Oh, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. We film them all, so you can actually watch us on YouTube, so it's great. Oh, awesome. And then you do Gravy in the Sleaze with him every day, right, Mon- on SiriusXM? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1 to 3 Eastern. All right, perfect. Colt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Have a great week, and we'll do it again soon. It was sure nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader. In one-day fantasy sports, to add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stand to the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TRAVIS for a limited time. New users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week two action. Enter code Travis to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code Travis only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.